Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode four of Food and Flights. We're going to be talking about pandemic weddings. Let's get ready for takeoff. So guys, today we're going to be talking about coronavirus. And I kind of hate that we're talking about this because I feel like coronavirus has taken so much from us this year. Yeah, but um, it is something that's going on in the world and is. we have to talk about and it. And it has affected our lives. Um, we're specifically going to be talking about weddings. Yeah, we kind of want to jump. Yeah, we kind of want to jump into the new year. You know, a lot of people are getting engaged. I know we both got engaged um, actually on the same day, three years apart. Yeah. Not planned. Not planned. But it was, you know, around the new year, and there's a lot of brides that are going to be kind of curious on how to navigate through this. Yeah, so um, I, we got engaged December 19th, 2015, and then we got married December 19th, 2016, and you got engaged December 19th, 2019. Yeah, no, 2018. 2018. Yes. <laughs> so, fun fact about us, um, that was not planned at all. But yeah, so I was a part of two weddings this year. The first one was you. The other one was my other friend. Um, you guys both got engaged. Um, well, you got engaged in 2018. She got engaged in 2019. Um, so I, we both know that these these weddings were coming in 2020. Uh, had no idea that coronavirus was going to be a thing. No. So um, I was your maid of honor or matron of honor. I guess I should say that's the technical term. So I was in charge of planning your bachelorette party. Correct. Uh, so I started planning in January before coronavirus was even a thing. Nobody had no idea what coronavirus was. Well, I guess I, that's kind of a lie because coronavirus was a thing. I just don't think it was that big of a deal in January. Yeah, it was one of those things where you'd see it on the news that it was happening in China right now and it was a possibility of coming yeah. over, but no one really knew the extent of right. it. Yeah. I mean, I still don't think we know the extent no. of it, but it wasn't a really like top concern at the time. Right. So I started planning in January. I wanted to have everything ready to go. Um, my original plan was to do something around the 4th of July, like you had planned mine. Right. But we ended up doing something in September. But anyway, so you got engaged in Rome, right? Yeah. I got engaged in Rome, Italy at right. the Trevi Fountain, Correct. which was like super cool. Yes. And I had known that you wanted to do a destination wedding. Right. So I definitely had to plan you a destination bachelorette party. Like of course. I couldn't break the rules. So immediately I was kind of like, I want to take you to Colorado, maybe California, maybe Florida. Um, and it was kind of hard because, so you didn't have too many bridesmaids, but we all kind of live in like a different spot of Michigan and um, people worked and you know, planning in general with other people is just hard. And so we really, it was kind of hard for me to get a good consensus on where people wanted to go. So we stayed a little bit more local. Um, and I chose Louisville because I had been there before and I thought it would be kind of like a good middle ground. It's not too far away. It's not too expensive. So I had your Airbnb booked in January, had everything set up pre-COVID. Like I was ready to rock and roll. I was so excited. Um, 
And so things started to get crazy around March. If you remember, I literally remember like March 17th. My calendar at work is still stuck on March 17th. It's like one of those block calendars. <laughs> yeah. Haven't changed it. Um, I think it would just be bad juju if I changed it at this point. Like, <laughs> um, so yeah, right around March, everything got really chaotic. I'm sure all of you can relate and remember. Um, yeah. and I started, like, getting in my head, like, okay, yeah, like, your bachelorette party might be affected because I had it planned for, um, was it August or was it September that we went? It was August. No, we went at the end of July. End of July. Okay. End of July. Um, and so I'm, like, this, initially, honestly, too, when coronavirus happened, I was, like, oh, this is going to be, like, a two-month thing and then, like, it'll be over it. You know, like, it'll be fine. Everything will go back to normal. I... I remember telling you and my other friend, like, don't, don't change anything with your weddings. It's not going to ruin anything. Well, and I keep going. I think too, like that was one of the big things. There were so many questions and even just with planning a bachelorette party, like, okay, am I still going to go forward with my wedding? If I do like, yeah, the bachelorette party will probably stay the same. We might have to go somewhere else. I don't know. But if I do change it, what do you do? Do you keep the bachelorette party because everyone's on board? Or do you, like, let's say I was going to change it to next year. Do you do a bachelorette party next year or when it was planned? It was just a lot of questions were going on. Yeah. Coronavirus definitely threw a wrench in kind of our plans. Um, but needless to say, we moved ahead. We didn't cancel. Um, I, nothing was too affected, thankfully. So I had some stuff planned, one of them was the Louisville Steamboat Tour. Um, and this was probably, I would say, the biggest thing that was affected, other, th- other than Waverly Hills, and I'll talk about that in a second. Um, so we originally were supposed to go on the Belle of Louisville, which is the bigger steamboat. However, they had called us about a week before we were supposed to leave. And when I got the call, I was so nervous because I was like, oh my gosh, they're going to cancel this. Like, this was like one of the coolest things. Um, but they didn't cancel it. We were just switched to a smaller boat, I guess, uh, because of COVID restrictions. They could only have so many people on a boat. So they just moved to the smaller boat. Um, and as you can remember, when we did attend that, we had to have our temperature taken before we got on the boat. We had to wear a mask if we weren't eating or drinking and we were up from our seats. Um, but for the most part, that went off fine. Yeah, and there was an outside portion, too, where you did not have to wear your mask. Right, so the, I remember, the upper like, deck. Yeah, about halfway through, we went up to the upper deck and we just stayed up there the whole time. Yeah. So yeah. it was a lot of fun. Another thing, too, is, like, and I know we've mentioned this before, but I'm pretty into, like, hiking and things like that. So we kind of just agreed, too, if everything did get canceled, we'd just go hike or chill in the Airbnb and right. do, like, yeah. games and, you know, drink, just do... Yeah, I was so committed that that I was like, I am not canceling this. Well, and another thing, too, is, like, my mom and one of her friends did come, so it was one of those things where you have to make sure everybody's on board with it, and I don't know if everyone wanted to go do a three-hour hike like maybe you and I would, so it was definitely something that had a lot of consideration with who was going on the trip, but luckily, yeah, like you said, nothing too detrimental canceled. Right. So, another thing, and we have talked about Waverly Hills Sanatorium in one of our prior episodes, so if you're interested in Waverly Hills Sanatorium, go check that out. I believe it's episode two. Episode two. So, I wanted to take you to Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Um, Because of COVID, they were shut down from April until early July, so my thinking was, awesome, when they open up, I'm going to go ahead and book tickets. And I, I had heard about Waverly Hills Sanatorium, but I had never really looked into booking anything, so I didn't realize, like, how much of a huge thing it is in Louisville. 
Um, So they opened back up, and I went to book tickets for our whole group, and they were sold out. So I was so livid. (laughs) Yeah, and I didn't know about yeah, so I couldn't even tell you. Yeah, I didn't know where we were going, what we were doing. So it was just funny because. Well, it wasn't funny, but, like, I remember you being super disappointed. You were, like, one of the things we were supposed to do, you know, we can't do anymore. And what did you say? The Coke thing? Okay. Which I think I did mention this in episode two. Yeah. So I didn't want to give it away, but I just told you the best reference I have, like, when you go to a restaurant and you really want a Coke and all they have is Pepsi. Like, it quenches your thirst, but it's not Coke. Like, Coke and Pepsi are two different things, and Waverly Hills Sanatorium being Coke, and like coca-cola <laughs> and let's clarify that and the other thing we did which was a haunted ghost tour being pepsi yeah but at the time i had no idea what right, she was no talking idea. about so i was like pepsi's fine <laughs> like we'll be good i mean granite coke is definitely my thing I, not yeah, pepsi right but i was like this is no big deal you know it'll be which it was no big deal it was a lot of fun so if shelby if you want to talk about yes that a little so bit. i had looked at other like spooky things to do in louisville around that time and i had found a um ghost tour a walking ghost tour of downtown louisville and it actually turned out to be so awesome it was very cool it, i can't really compare it to waverly hill sanatorium because they're two different things yeah but just to give a little snippet, we met this guy. His name is David Domine, um, downtown Louisville, and mm-hmm. he took us on a walk of, like, the old historic part of Louisville and talked about some of the ghost stories and just the history of Louisville and even one of the most recent murders um, right. in Louisville. So that was so awesome, and I think it's something that gets so overlooked yeah. and um, probably wouldn't be something I would have done if we could have gone to Waverly Hills Sanatorium at that time. Yeah, but I'm definitely glad we did do that. I'm so glad, yeah. And so now I have David Domine as a fen- friend on Facebook. He's also an author. He knows so much history. Yeah, and the cool thing is, too, is you start the ghost tour with the house that he lived in. So he has real-life experiences of all these things that happened, and he actually writes books about it, so you can go check that out. But... He just kind of walked you around the city and told you all these different stories about uh, certain houses. And there was even one, I don't know if any of you, you know, any of you that do follow this, but the first season of American Horror Story was Murder House. Mm -hmm. And I remember when American Horror Story came out, there was what they called a real-life murder house. I didn't realize it was in Louisville, Kentucky, but David showed us the real-life murder house. And what was so uncanny and crazy was the fact that a lot of events that happened in this house had happened in American Horror Story, like the the, um, black suit and some of the murders and things like that. But what was crazy was all of this happened, like, prior to American Horror Story even being released, so it wasn't, like, a copycat situation. And I didn't realize that was in Kentucky, but David showed us and he told us some of the stories. He's actually, he should be coming out with a book about it pretty soon. I think he just published it the other day. Yeah, um, and also, too, like, David was such a nice guy. Like, it was definitely a 10 out of 10, like, thing to do in Louisville. And he honestly should start his own podcast because his voice was, like, so soothing. I was like, he has a podcast voice. But he really did an amazing job, like, getting us immersed in that, like, old Louisville ghost story. Yes. So definitely recommend, if you're in Louisville, kind of want a... It was COVID-friendly because it was outside... Um, you could wear a mask if you wanted. He wore I, a mask, which he is really wore a respectful. Mask. Yes. Um, you could easily so- social distance. Yep. Um, so pretty awesome. If you're interested, you can book on, I believe it is, was it, was it Yelp or was it? I thought it was Yelp. Yes. I believe you can book on Yelp or you can just Google it. I'm pretty sure it'll come up. 
Um, definitely recommend that. So another thing which Louisville is known for is 4th Street. And it can kind of be compared to Fremont Street in Las Vegas. That's what it reminded me of, except mm -hmm. a lot smaller. Um, so basically what 4th Street is, is like a dining and entertainment area. It does have like a covered section and the middle has um, like seating areas. There's bars, there's restaurants, there's spaces for bands to play. So I was a little nervous because when we had went, the Brianna Taylor shooting had just happened. So Louisville had experienced um, some riots and just some craziness going on on top of coronavirus. So a lot of these restaurants and bars weren't even open because of COVID. And then they and weren't then you open because of the Brianna Taylor riots. So a lot of things were boarded up. Um, yeah. I was a little bit nervous going to Louisville just because I didn't know if we were going to experience any riots or just any basically just any crazy things yeah um, and honestly too like we had never well i had never been to louisville yeah. i know you have yeah. but i had never been to louisville and honestly some of the places like our airbnb that we stayed at beautiful airbnb but it was in a little bit of a sketchy location and um i just think like a mixture of that was kind of like okay along with you know the brianna taylor incident there was just like a lot of uncertainty already mm -hmm. and then you kind of add that to it right so we ended up going to Fourth Street and having the best time. Granted that I think there was oh, only yeah. like two or three bars open. Yeah. Um, obviously, you had to wear your mask in the bar. You had to social distance. Um, I think it would have been more fun if, obviously, if everything was open and there was music. We made the best of it. I really, we really feel did. like that's kind of what you just have to do in the world of coronavirus is just to make the absolute best of it. For example, I had made a scavenger hunt that we did yeah. on Fourth Street. And I made it, like, I made it knowing COVID might be a thing. So when I had made it back in January, there was some things on it, like, high-five a police officer or get someone's autograph or, you know, do something. And I kind of tweaked it after coronavirus, um, more closer to actually going to include social distancing and maybe not getting too close to people. And it was kind of awesome because no one was really there, but there was just enough people there that you could interact with or, you know... We kind of had the whole place to ourselves. Yeah, I would recommend, and since we're talking about, you know, pandemic weddings, if you're ever planning a bachelorette party or maybe you're the bride and you're trying to think of fun ways to kind of get around coronavirus but still have that, like, authentic, fun bachelorette party, I definitely think the photo scavenger hunt is something you can tweak to your bridal party, to the city. You can really do it without having to interact too close with anybody. And it's still a fun competition, even if nobody's around. Like, you could even, as corny as it sounds like, do a scavenger hunt in, you know, the mountains or something like that, where you're not even around people. It just kind of gives that competitiveness between everybody, because... Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember my mom and her friend, like, she <laughs> Your was, mom won yeah, the scavenger she, hunt. Yeah, she did win the scavenger hunt, but she was, like, all about it. Like, she was running around. I mean, it was so much fun, and it kind of, you know, at that point, too, two of the people who were paired together actually didn't know each other, so that was kind of fun. It was a really good, like, introduction to be like, hi, um, you know, some of the people that went on my bachelorette party were not part of my bridal party. So it was a good introduction. We It was the first thing we did when we were in Louisville, and I think it just right. kind of set the tone yeah. for well, the Well, and I had experience. planned that because I was like, there are some people going that have never met each other, so we really need an icebreaker, and we need to do it in, like, a fun way so people don't feel uncomfortable. Right. It was perfect, and I think it's something you can really tailor to the whole pandemic and who you're going with. So that is definitely, in my opinion, a high recommendation. I wish we would have done that for your bachelorette party because yeah. I did not do that. 
Um, but yeah, it was very cool. Yes. So honestly, I mean, I would say overall your bachelorette party pretty much, I feel like coronavirus didn't really affect it as much as maybe it could have. Yeah, I would say there were two people that were supposed to go and ended up not going because of COVID. They kind of dropped out last yeah. minute. And I had told them, like, I know Allie completely understands. I understand if you don't oh, want to yeah. go, if you, you know, I think it's too just being understanding of people's boundaries. And yeah, because, for example, one of them, they wanted to go and they could go, but their employer was like, I don't know if this is the best idea right now, which makes total sense. And it's a lot to ask somebody, hey, come on this bachelorette party with me, but then you have to go back and quarantine yourself for two yeah. weeks and you can't work. I mean, that's a lot to ask. So you do have to be mindful of that. And honestly, like for any brides, you know, you just got to be really understanding that there's other things going on in the world right now. So if it doesn't turn out perfect, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I think honestly, that's just a general statement for planning weddings as is like, what you want your wedding to be like and how it actually turns out are going to be two completely different things. And as much as like, like weddings are a business, you have to remember it's one day. Yeah. Like you need to make the most of it. You need to make the best of it and just have it be a good day and don't get upset if things go wrong because guess what? You're going to laugh about in five years. Yeah. And I can, I can say too, like, even if you do have like a bad experience with a bachelorette party or a bridal shower or even the day of your wedding that one day does end Mm -hmm. and even you know a couple months later at the time it might have seemed terrible but like you got through it so it's one of those things too where I mean it's with any event really you have to expect this sounds terrible but you have to expect something to go wrong right and you have to be able to troubleshoot it I mean, and I told you, too, like, when you were planning your wedding, I told you multiple times, I don't know how you're doing this, I don't know how you're doing this, just because of all the stress and constant changes that you had to deal with, that I don't know if I would have had the, like, mental capacity to deal with. So you, I feel like having a wedding in 2020, not that I would want to wish this on anybody, but you were so well suited for this. Like, you were made for it. Yeah, and I mean, I think that might come with the fact that I am an event manager, or I was an event manager. There's just, you really do have to expect that something is going to go wrong and there is going to be a way to fix it. And you might, you as a bride or you as the groom or you as the mother-in-law or the best friend, it doesn't matter who you are, you might not be able to fix it, but somebody will. There'll be something that you'll be able to fix it. Yes. So I also want to say that um, we did have really cute masks made for your bachelorette party. We did. Um, so your friend Aaron did that. They turned out really cute. Everybody could match and wear. We wore our masks when we needed to. Yeah, and that kind of gives a little bit of, you know... It was like a fun factor. Like, yeah. it said, like, bride or bridesmaid or, you know... Yeah, and we all took a picture with it. Yeah. I mean, this is a historic time. We gotta show <laughs> how we're having fun. I mean, it's not a fun time. And a lot of, you know, tragedies are happening. Right. But we have to make the best of every moment because no matter what, it is happening. So this is a historic moment, and it was fun to take a photo together in our masks to make the best of what we were doing at the time. And I also, so I made everybody, like, little goodie bags, and I put some hand sanitizer in there as well. So, like, Yeah, I would highly recommend that. If you are doing a bachelorette party or a bridal shower or a wedding, incorporate that in your big day. Yes. Yeah. So they were just, like, mini ones from Bath and Body, and so everybody had their hand sanitizer and everybody had their mask. So, your bachelorette party, I think, perfect. We had some really good experiences, lots of laughs, lots of memories. We still talk about it. 
So, yes. We even did some, oh, excuse me, outdoor activities, too. We did some hiking, which we was really hiking. cool. Yeah, we kind of had a little bit of everything. Yeah. I tried, given coronavirus, I tried to have a little bit of everything. Yeah, and then another thing you forgot to mention, too, is we did do cave tours. We did. Which we thought could have been canceled because you do sit on a trolley next to people. But really, I mean, you sat in the same aisle as, as your, your party. party. You had to wear masks. Everything really was perfect. Yeah. So I was a part of another wedding, um, and I wasn't the maid of honor, but I did have a pretty big part in planning the bachelorette party. Um, this one was planned a little bit later. Um, we planned on doing it in early September. Um, and like I said, I did a lot of helping because nobody in the bridal party had planned a bachelorette party. And I kind of considered myself an expert after planning yours. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the bride, her name is Shauna, really wanted to go to Put-in-Bay which is a really small island on Lake Erie. So we had booked the Airbnb, I want to say over the summer, um, and I was feeling pretty confident because I'm like, well, we're going ahead with yours, so we might as well just go ahead with hers. Right. And so we debated back and forth. Um, after I had booked it, things had kind of gotten worse. There was some outbreaks on the island. So we kind of debated, me and the rest of the bridal party, debated back and forth on even going. Um, but it turns out Airbnb was not going to give us a full refund. So we kind of just said, you know what, we're going to go. We're only there for three days. Um, if you know anything about Put-in-Bay, it's kind of just a party island. There isn't really too many activities. I had never been prior. A couple people that were going had been. Um, so we just decided, you know what, if, our, if all the bars get shut down, if all of the events get shut down, we're just going to stay at our Airbnb and we're just going to hang out, play board games, drink, eat, you know, it was right on the water. So we ended up going, um, and actually it was a lot of fun. I mean, we didn't have anything really planned, but we kind of just did that. We played board games. Um, we walked down the little down, I guess I don't know if it's downtown, but the little village. Um, we did go to a couple bars and they were social distancing. You did have to wear your mask if you were away from your table. Um, there was a like number of people that could sit at your table. We had to be so far apart from a different table. Um, but yeah, I mean, that really didn't, coronavirus didn't really have too much of an effect on her bachelorette party either. So I'm very thankful that I was able to plan and help plan two bachelorette parties that kind of went off without a hitch and didn't really have too many issues. Yeah, I think one of the biggest differences between my bachelorette party and Shauna's was just the fact that I was kind of at the point, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, where I was like, I'm not going to cancel my bachelor, or excuse me, my wedding. So it was kind of like we're going forward with the bachelorette party, right, yeah. where I know Shauna was a little bit more on the fence, mm -hmm. and so that had its own complications, different from mine. Right, yeah, so not to just air her life, um, and hi Shauna if you're listening to this, but... So Shauna was going to get married in October in Ann Arbor um, at a beautiful venue. However, that venue is not open. They chose not to open um, during coronavirus. So she decided to have a small ceremony in um, this year and then have her full wedding next year. So we did decide to do the bachelorette party just because I we kind of felt bad that her wedding was that affected and we wanted to keep something kind of normal. And once again, yeah. like we did have the Airbnb planned and they wouldn't give us a refund. Um, and you guys look like you had a great time too. It was so much fun. I mean, I had never been there and you know, it was a blast. Like not having anything planned kind of did give me a little bit of anxiety, but everybody was so chill and we kind of just found things to do and it was fun. 
Yeah, like you said, too, it kind of gives that normal it did, feeling right. to it. Yeah, for sure. So, I know I had said that you had gotten engaged in Rome and you had your bachelor party in Louisville um, and you wanted to plan a destination wedding. So, what was it like, first of all, planning a wedding in a pandemic, but also planning a destination wedding in a pandemic? Yeah, so this is kind of a whole new thing. Uh, Cameron and I got engaged in December of 2018 in Rome, like Shelby had said. So, I had about a year and a half to plan out my wedding, and I was very conflicted because Cameron and I love the mountains. We love hiking. We wanted to give our friends and family that enjoyment of seeing something that we thought was so incredible. So we kind of went back and forth on, okay, where are we doing this? Do we want to do a destination wedding? Do we want to do something more local in Michigan? My parents do own a restaurant, so there was the opportunity of having it there. Not only could it save some costs on things, but it's a, it'd be a bigger venue so we could have the people there that we wanted. But at the time, there was no such thing as COVID. So deciding to do a destination wedding really wasn't too big of a deal. It was something that we went back and forth on, but eventually that that stress was going to happen anyway because COVID wasn't really a thing. So most of my wedding details were actually already planned as far as a photographer, the date, the location, the Airbnb, and the dress. We decided we were going to do a Washington reception in Mount Rainier National Park, and then we were going to come back, and two days later do, or excuse me, Washington ceremony, and then two days later come back to Michigan and go up to my parents' restaurant and have our Michigan reception with our friends and family because we have a pretty big family, both of us, and we wanted to share that with our cousins and our aunts and uncles. So that's what we decided to do. Um, The photographer was actually from California. He was going to go up to Washington and shoot for us. Like I said, all that stuff was already picked out. Just a little, you know, tips for brides that are looking at destination weddings, whether it's in a pandemic or not. Your photographer, I found out, actually does quite a bit if you find an elopement photographer. They help pick the place. They help, some of them actually even help with wedding planning themselves. There's a couple photographers that I follow that can literally give you everything. They can give you your officiant. They're really, really helpful because they've done it so many times. So that's just a little tip for any brides that are looking at destination weddings and maybe don't want to do a full wedding planner. That was another thing too. I did not want a wedding planner. I'm an event manager. I felt like I could handle it. I wanted to be creative. Uh, So it was just one of those things where I, I felt like I didn't need a wedding planner and my photographer actually helped me a lot with that. So shout out to Norm. From Fit Photography. (laughs) Um, The plus side, too, like I said, for our guests, uh, because it was a pandemic, then this is, you know, like I said, looking on the bright side of things, tickets were getting extremely cheap. So when Cameron and I first decided to do this, we booked our tickets right away because obviously the bride and groom probably need their tickets booked before everybody else. We booked them. It was about $1,000 for both of us to fly out from Michigan to Washington. This did include, you know, a bag and picking our seats because we were getting married. I did not want to sit separately. I normally don't care, but we're getting married. So it was about $1,000, which is what we budgeted for. Um, Some people decided to wait. They wanted to see if the tickets would go down, which honestly, at the time we were booking, they probably weren't going to. But then with a pandemic happening, 
the tickets did go down. So Shelby, what did you pay for your ticket? So Josh and I booked in January and we paid about $300 each. And so it came out to about $600. I was so mad because when all this happened, I was like, we should have waited and gotten cheaper plane tickets. But at the same time, I'm kind of happy we didn't wait because that way we could, you know, we had the details. I mean, we knew when we were flying in, we knew when we were flying out and yeah, but I know a lot of people did get theirs pretty discounted because of coronavirus. Yes, I think the cheapest ones was there was a couple that flew out that only paid $400, which makes me so sad because <laughs> I was like, I paid a thousand, but honestly, like everything still turned out. That's what we budgeted for. So I kind of just looked at it as like, this is what we budgeted for. So it really wasn't anything that we didn't expect. But around March, that's when people kind of started asking me if I would be canceling my wedding. It was definitely a consideration, but I had already put so much planning into a Washington ceremony and then coming back for a Michigan reception that I was very hesitant about moving the wedding. I was pretty confident with keeping my wedding at the same date, same location. I kind of just kept thinking, oh, coronavirus is going to be over in September. That's kind of silly. And I even talked to Shelby. I talked to my bridesmaids. I talked to some of my family members and even my grandparents who were planning on going weren't worried. So it was one of those things where I was like, everybody's still on board with this. So let's, you know, let's keep it. I think when it really started to sink in was my cousin was having a wedding in June and she canceled. And that's when, like, reality kind of set in that this virus could still be going in September. Unfortunately for her, she is in medical school, so she could not just reschedule it. She was actually getting, um, going to a new location, and she wouldn't be able to just postpone in a year. So she actually just got married, very small area with immediate family, and, I mean, it worked out for her. That was something that we kind of had to consider. So... Um, so, but yeah, before summer hit, I talked to Shelby about like keeping wedding plans. I was not going to let you cancel. Yeah. I mean, I was way too excited. I knew that if you would have waited a year, it would have put more stress on you. It would have. And Cameron and I also talked about too, if we were to cancel, everybody would be losing out on money Mm -hmm. because nobody was getting their money back right away. And it just, this still could be going on in a year. So who's to say? Yeah. And it is. So we kind of came up with the idea where if we did cancel, we would cancel the Washington plans in general. We would not be going out to Washington. That's too much to ask of people. We really did have to consider everyone's feelings in this and everyone's financials and everyone's safety. Luckily, most almost everybody was totally on board with still going to Washington. So going just to the Washington ceremony, like I said, I talked to all my family members, all the bridal party, explaining that it was going to stay the same. And this is another thing, too. If you are doing a destination wedding or if you're doing any sort of wedding during a pandemic, please, as the bride and groom, tell your guests that you are okay if they do not come. People feel so obligated to go to weddings, and they want to go to weddings. But in reality, if your health and safety is at risk or if you're afraid of that, they shouldn't be going. And on top of that, it will take so much stress off of the bride and groom because then you're stressed about, okay, if these people are already uncomfortable going and then they go and they get coronavirus, you almost feel like it's on you. Like you force them to come or they didn't feel comfortable not going 
but they went anyway because of you. I mean, that's kind of how I felt. And so I was just completely honest with everybody and said, you know, if you don't want to come, I completely understand. It does not hurt my feelings. I'd rather you feel safe than potentially something happening. So in the- I do want to say, too, just being a part of the bridal party, you sent out, I think, like two or three newsletters to everybody that was in your immediate bridal party. Yes. And it had so much good information about where we were staying, what's the restrictions here, like, I'm gonna, you know... I didn't even think about talking about that. Yeah, so... I did! You were, I think you communicated really well with everybody who really needed to have that information. Yeah, so Um, everyone that was coming, you know, obviously I have their addresses, but I did type up, like Shelby said, three newsletters, I believe, that had all the information on there, and it got sent out... A couple months, like... Yeah, so I think you set one... I set one at the beginning. Yes, and then maybe one, like, a month or so ahead of time. And then so maybe right only before. did two. No, I did three, because oh. I did one right before. Okay, yes, so... And that was awesome, and honestly, like, if coronavirus is still continuing, or maybe you're just getting ready to... I mean, I understand yours was a destination wedding, so we kind of did need to know just a little bit more about your wedding than maybe somebody who was still having their wedding locally... But I recommend communicating with your bridal party and maybe if you're having a small wedding, sending a letter out to everybody or maybe like a postcard or something that just says, you know, if you don't want to come because of your you fear for your health or safety, whatever, we completely understand. But if you would like to come, just know we are following social distancing. This is what's going to be happening at this event. You know, there is going to be hand sanitizer. There is going to be, it's just going to be safe. Like, and I really feel like that's what your letter was, is just letting everybody know at this time this is the plan. If anything changes, we'll contact you. you. Right. And I mean, even coronavirus completely like separate, you also had a lot of good information on there. So you had where, um, the hotel we were going to be staying at prior to going to the Airbnb. Um, you had those addresses. You even, I believe sent out a menu of what we were going to be having the day of your ceremony. You just had like awesome stuff. You even gave us a little packet of like hikes that we could take um, in Washington if we didn't want to do the hike that I think you guys were going to do. Right. Um, so just awesome stuff. I mean, really, I felt like it like it was your wedding, but I almost felt like it was a vacation for everybody because you had really provided <laughs> so many materials for everybody to feel safe and comfortable and kind of make this trip their own as well. Yeah, and for anyone who does want to do that, just to note, I did sends a different newsletter to the bridal party versus family. Yeah. Because family was in a different Airbnb, bridal party, and Cameron and myself were all in the same Airbnb. So there was a little bit different information for them than there would be with, like, Cameron's family or my family. So that was definitely helpful. And I do know postage is very expensive. So let's say you're not doing a small wedding or you're not doing a destination wedding. Even just sending newsletters to your bridal party or your immediate family will help a lot. Because if your mother or your father or even your cousin knows what's going on, that's one less thing you have to worry about. If someone has a question, they don't need to come to the bride and groom. They can come to all these other people who know exactly what's going on. Right. I was going to say, you could also, I know you mailed everything, but you could always email. Yes, that's true. You can do an email newsletter. create like a Facebook group or... Exactly. Facebook message or something like that. Um, Yes. So I was going to say just... Overall, my experience not being, just being a part of the, like, wedding party and having to kind of, and being the matron of honor, really, I think you handled this well. And, I mean, obviously, coronavirus was happening, but for, like, 
honestly, the whole trip, it felt so normal. Like, just yeah. being, being able to be around people and having fun. And we did, like, you know, even when we weren't, like, out doing anything and we were just back at the Airbnb with the bridal party, like, we played games and... You it know, just kind of took your mind off of it everything. It did. It was, like, such a... And honestly, like, I've told you this, but your wedding was the highlight of my year. <laughs> um, just because it was so nice to be able to travel. And, I mean, luckily you had your ceremony kind of in the middle of nowhere, so we didn't really have to worry about interacting with too many people. Right. Um, I mean, when we did go downtown Seattle, we obviously had to be mindful of what was open and what wasn't open. Yeah. And um, I do want to point out, Seattle was having riots at that time as well. Oh, yes. Um, we'll, get into, <laughs> we'll get into this in just a moment. I was just going to say, you know, I'm kind of being optimistic. I'm telling you, like, all the good parts, you know, what to do. But let's talk about the bad parts for a second. Um, we did have a small group of 30 going, so capacity restrictions weren't too big of a problem in Washington. My grandparents, Cameron's grandparents, did not come due to coronavirus. I was actually kind of happy that they didn't go because, once again, that was a lot of stress on me. I did not want anyone to get coronavirus, especially them. It would just be heartbreaking. So that kind of took a little bit of stress off of me. Of course, my grandparents were very upset that they couldn't be there, but we did a we did a mini church blessing in Michigan that they were allowed to attend, and then we did a reception with that. But going back to Washington, the national park that we were supposed to get married in, which was Mount Rainier, a month before had emailed me and said they were reducing events, which means that I could only have myself, Cameron, the officiant, the photographer, and two witnesses present. Since everyone paid to come out to Washington, this was not going to work. We kind of didn't know what to do at first. We did have a caterer which was at my parents' Airbnb, Copper Creek Inn. It's right outside of the National Park, and they actually do weddings. They're beautiful. So I was in constant communication with her. She kept asking me, what is the National Park going to do? Are they going to limit you? And I, you know, I was honest with her. I said, I don't know. So she actually was kind enough to say that since we were doing catering and most of our party was staying on her property, that she would let us do our wedding ceremony there if the park canceled. So since this was a huge issue for us, we did bring it up to her and she said we could just do everything on site at Copper Creek Inn. I explained it to the National Park. They were good. I didn't need my permit that I did uh, apply for, which by the way, if you are getting married in a national park, you are going to have a permit. So please check your national park that you do want to get married in and just check the permit process. It does take over a month to complete. They have a waiting period and it's probably even more because of COVID. So if this is a plan for you, like I said before, some photographers will take care of this for you in the wedding planning process. Your wedding planner will take care of that for you. But if you don't have either of those options, then you do want to look at what your national park does. And they also have somebody too that handles all that stuff. So I actually called them a lot or I would email them and I wouldn't get a response right away, but they were always responding back to me. So that's just a little tip. But another thing that was a little scary was my photographer lived in California, so he was not local. So we had the problem of are you comfortable with coming to Washington? You know, what are you afraid of as far as COVID goes? They were having wildfires in uh, California at the time and in Washington. So that was another barrier. And luckily, Norm was great. He was still comfortable coming. 
The only change was he would not be riding in the same car as us to go get pictures. Uh, our mini reception, which was, like I said, at Copper Creek Inn, it was all served outside. We did have a rain plan. Make sure, you know, you do have a rain plan if it is outside, not under a tent. Luckily, it didn't rain, so we were okay with that. We just had picnic tables outside of an Airbnb. It was very social distance. We didn't have, you know, there was really nobody around us. So it was just our party. We kept very to ourselves. So, yeah, having a destination wedding during this time is already stressful because you have to worry about everyone traveling to the destination itself. But then, on top of that, you have to worry about if people are going to get sick and the possibility of the entire state shutting down. So, at a pandemic, we also dealt with the wildfires, which, by the way, air quality was really low. You weren't supposed to be outside. So, there was one day where we were supposed to stay indoors most of the time because of the wildfires. And we did not. So, on top of wearing our masks for coronavirus, our masks also served a dual purpose, <laughs> keeping us away from the wildfires. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for the masks. But all of this stuff, too, when everyone arrived in Washington, they were actually greeted with a goodie bag that I made that had another newsletter in it. Once again, just a vacation, not Allie's wedding. <laughs> and But it did. It had everything that you could do in the city, um, things that you could do as far as in Seattle, as well as the national park. So we had trail maps, things like that, because we didn't want people to feel obligated to stay with us the whole time. Like I said, though, the plus side to this destination wedding was we could show our guests a whole new area of the world that most of them have never been in. We were really excited to show our friends and family this place we loved so much. And even with the air quality and the pandemic, most things were closed. But luckily, the National Park did stay open because that was a fear that the park would just completely close in general. And Pike's Place Market was open, which was very cool. So we actually took our whole bridal party down to Pike's Place. We let them roam around, hang out. And then after Pike's Place, we left for the Airbnb towards Ashford, Washington. We did the wedding the next day. And then the next day after that, we actually took our whole bridal party and their significant others into Mount Rainier National Park. And we did hikes. It was so much fun. It was probably like the highlight of the trip for me because so many people got to see like this awesome national park and then after that we even got to do a couple like extra hiking but we never made anyone feel obligated to do what we were kind of planning um shelby how did you feel about the like excursions that we did yeah so well first of all i flew in on my birthday so oh, yeah super excited about that you had surprised me in my hotel room with a spongebob themed hotel because if you know anything about spongebob there's an episode where i think patrick does spongebob ask patrick what's better than 24 and he says 25 or does patrick or does who i don't know who? it's like a whole episode yeah. though just based on the number 25 so anyway there's this yeah there's this funny little snippet where they say oh what's better than 24 or 25 and they find it funny and so yeah. I turned 25 this year, so you decorated my hotel as Spongebob theme. Just a little side note there. Um, and so we went to the Space Needle. and just a Which few, was open. Which it was open. However, the wildfires really kind of did a number on the sky. They put you, a damper on you that. You couldn't really see anything. So that was kind of a bummer. I do want to go back to the Space Needle and see that view. Um I have a fear of heights, so I thoroughly enjoyed it, but 
I um, would not get close to the edge, <laughs> and just thinking about it kind of makes my heart like flutter a little bit. That w- it was fun. You did have to wear a mask, social distance. Um, I think they only let so many people up at the top at a time. Yeah. Um, the good thing was though, there really wasn't a lot of people walking around the city. No, there so wasn't. you could take. You were definitely six feet apart. No doubt about that. Also, anybody who has been to Seattle or even just, like, a big city in general, traffic's usually pretty bad, mm-hmm. especially in Seattle. I do not like it, like driving in Seattle, but because of a pandemic and wildfires and things like that, the streets were really empty, so it was very easy to navigate through the city. There wasn't a lot of cars. It kind of took the stress off of driving or having other people drive our bridal party around, so that was cool. Yeah, I mean... I think, and so when we went to Pike's Place, too, which is awesome, you know, you had to wear your mask into the little market, but once you left, you know, you could take it off. And we went to the original Starbucks. We had to wait in line a little bit. I'm sure that's probably just also, too, because the original Starbucks and tons of people want to go there. But they think they were only having two or three people inside the store at a time. Um, Yeah, I mean, I really felt safe wherever we went, and I'm super happy a lot of places were open Um, I really thought being the East Coast and kind of how, you know, they kind of maintain a liberal climate there. Yeah. I thought that many places were going to be closed. We weren't really going to experience Seattle for what it was. But I'm very thankful. We basically did everything we wanted. Yeah, nothing was really changed. Right. And one of the coolest things that, honestly, like, I feel like I'll remember forever is the hike we took the day after... The day before we were... The day before we were supposed to leave. Yeah. Um... And, like, that was kind of, like, I feel like the essence of your wedding, too, was just, like, outdoors, mountains, hiking. So, coronavirus really couldn't mess with that too much. I mean, I know you no. talked about the National Park, but we were able to do some awesome hiking. And we didn't even see anybody. We didn't see anybody. So, <laughs> if we would have, like, fallen <laughs> off that cliff and fallen in the river, we were, like, nobody would have came along and saved us. So, I mean, yeah, I felt safe. Um, yeah, the no other two. at all. The other two things, too, with vendors, as far as with COVID... To save money, I was actually just going to go to Pike's Place and get flowers. I was going to let all my bridesmaids pick out what flowers they wanted for the wedding. Because if you've ever been to Pike's Place, you'll know that they sell $5 beautiful flower bouquets. And I had heard from a couple of my cousins who had lived out there that Pike's Place actually shut down. So I was, like, kind of freaking out because what do I do if I don't have any flowers? I mean, that was my whole plan. So I ended up getting in contact with one of my cousin's flower shops she did a beautiful job on our flowers but it was going to save us a ton of money just doing the five dollar bouquets I did not have a budget for flowers so that kind of you know wasn't that awesome and actually when we got to Seattle there was a ton of flowers available so we ended up just getting them for decoration so if you are in the Seattle area and you're doing you know an elopement or destination or even if you're not Pike's Place getting flowers will really save you some money or even if you have a local uh, place like Pike's Place where you can get fresh flowers for $5 a bouquet, do that. I mean, they're beautiful. They're fresh. It's very cheap. That was kind of cool, and I was really bummed that my bridesmaids couldn't pick their own bouquets, but it was fine. It, It turned out beautiful. And then another thing, too, was right, I think it was three days before we left, Washington made a rule that if you were a hairstylist or makeup artist, you could not... Um, do any of that without 
a mask. A mask. Like, the person getting the makeup done had to wear a mask. So, I was freaking out, because I'm like, I am not paying all this money to not have have half a face of makeup. Yeah, and my photos, I'm not going to have a mask on in all my photos. Right. So... That actually worked out fine. I mean, it was freaking me out. But after I talked with my makeup artist, she said, no, it's just for, like, in-person salons. We're going off-site for yours, so it's fine. So it turned out great. But those were just a little bit of hiccups that went on with COVID. So the best thing that I can say for any brides that are doing destination weddings, please be transparent with all of your vendors. You know, between the photographer, the makeup artist, the venue, everybody was great. We kept in constant communication. And... I'll be honest, I was probably a little annoying sometimes when I kept asking and wasn't getting a response within, like, a day or two, but just stay transparent with all of them because that'll really help you. So now, going back to Michigan, uh, two days later after we got back, we went up north to northern Michigan, which, for those of you who don't know, most of the time during this pandemic, the lower half of Michigan was on a totally different restriction level right. than the upper half. Because the lower half of Michigan is quite a bit more populated than the upper half of Michigan. So. Yes. So our Michigan rece- excuse me, reception was hard to navigate because we really had no idea what our governor was going to do. The week that we were getting married, she had three executive orders, all meaning something totally different for indoor events, that just went out in a week. So it was very hard to navigate. I actually kept up with the executive orders. I individually read almost all of them to figure out what I could and couldn't do. Now, if you have your own venue, especially now because of COVID, people are really staying up to date with this stuff. They can tell you what they can and cannot do. But my venue was my parents' restaurant. So if my parents didn't know the answer, I was not going to know the answer. So this kind of put a little bit of a stress level on me where... At the time, Michigan reception, my Michigan reception would have been around three to 350 people. However, we were only allowed 250 people outside and 100 inside. At the time, her first executive order, I believe it was 100 outside and 20 inside. So that was a totally different number of people because we ended up having 175 people total. And then it totally changed and it was just it was very hard to navigate I tried calling the governor's office numerous times because I could not figure it out and they just kept telling me to read the executive orders which I had and I was still confused and so that was frustrating but in the end I actually ended up calling a couple up north uh, wedding venues and asked them what they were doing which was extremely helpful they were really open and transparent because they don't want to see anybody get fined And that was a big thing for me, too. You know, my parents' liquor license could have got taken away or they could have had a huge fine, and I didn't want that to be because of my wedding. So we really had to follow rules. Another thing, too, is you can always contact your local health department. They will tell you what you can and can't do. We ended up contacting them, and they came out to the restaurant and basically told us what was allowed and what wasn't allowed, and it it was extremely helpful. Another negative side was none of our international friends could come to our wedding, which we were extremely bummed about. Uh, We had an exchange student. I was super excited because I haven't seen her in a while, and she couldn't come. We also have a friend in Italy that her whole family was invited, and they could not come. So that was just, you know, a, a pretty big bummer. But on top of the restrictions of how many people could be inside and outside, we had temperature stations. So when you first walked in... 
we had people taking temperatures, and that's actually how they signed the guest book. <laughs> Allie, guess what I put in your guest book? What? As my temperature. What? Too hot to handle. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah, so we had, we had a temperature station, and then masks were required inside. We had a ton of signage. We actually had about 10 signs all when you walked in placed around all the stations, which I highly recommend doing, just so people know that you're taking this very seriously and you don't want to get in trouble for any of this kind of thing. We also had food stations, so all the food was in separate areas, and we had waiters and waitresses that were giving people the food versus them doing more of a buffet style where everyone's grabbing things, and this kind of helped break up like a congregation of people waiting for food. So we had two food stations outside. I think we had four or five inside the bridal party was all inside with their significant others, but the band and everyone else was outside in tents. Luckily, the weather was great. Mm-hmm. We had, you know, a great time. Is there anything you really wanted to add about the No, I think Michigan? like you said, um, everything worked out really perfect. Uh, luckily, your parents' restaurant does have kind of like a covered patio area where yeah. the band could play. There was tents on the side. Luckily, it was pretty warm. I know there was a couple heaters set up. Yeah, we were not expecting to pay for heaters, and we ended up getting 10, I believe. Yeah, that's the hard part about September in Michigan, is it can be fall, or it can still be summer. Or it could be winter. It could be winter, so you really just don't know. I mean, my wedding was, our wedding reception, when we actually got married, was last year, and it was, um, what, three days after, or no, it was around the same time frame because ours was september 21st yours was september 19th yeah my wedding was like 90 degrees yeah and mine was not like like 60 i think yeah yeah so um yeah and i so i really liked the food stations because um you had people serving the food which meant and not everybody was touching like the little serving tongs or the spoons or whatever um there was plenty of food. You did have cupcakes, too. So instead of people right, getting, instead like, of cake. cake, they just got their own little cupcake that they could take. And on top of that, we did do handheld food. So we even did, instead of a salad, we did caprese salad on a stick. You can get really creative. And I think my dad really liked that because he could be, like, culinary yeah. and do a bunch of cool things. And the presentation was great. But we actually did salad on a stick. So we did a caprese salad on a stick. We did an antipasta salad on a stick. Everyone loved it. And once again, you're not touching a whole big group salad. Right. Um, I also just want to say this has nothing to do with coronavirus, but we came in on a boat. We did come in on a boat. Yeah, that was very So awesome. You also had a um, fire dancer at your wedding. Oh, yeah. My cousin surprised me. She is a fire dancer, and she did a whole... And you had dueling pianos. I did. I did. Um... It was just honestly, like, it was so nice for you to be able, I think, to celebrate with everybody after having a ceremony, you know, like, away. Like, I think it really just, like, wrapped it up. Um, I mean, I really think you got the best of both worlds, and I'm happy that it could happen. Yeah, once again, be prepared, too. People aren't going to come because Mm -hmm. of COVID. It's just a thing. We did have a lot of people that said they weren't coming because of COVID. We respected it. It was actually kind of funny because my 104-year-old great-great-aunt who lives in Pennsylvania, she's in a nursing home and she was literally ready to break out of it because she's (laughs) like, I'm coming to this wedding. Like, she wanted to do it and the nursing home was like, if you leave, you cannot come back. So she didn't end up coming. She was super sad. It would have been great if she could have came because, you know, but I'm glad she didn't because, you know, obviously with the pandemic. But yeah, I mean, just be prepared. There's going to be people that can't come. 
It's not that they don't want to be there. It's just that they're there for, you know, safety reasons. Right. But, okay, so any, like, tips and tricks we just want to say real quick before we end? So, um, it's just some of the things that I, like, noticed that I wanted to mention is that I got through security faster at Detroit Metro Airport than I have ever gotten through security because of COVID. Nobody was flying. Um... You had to keep your mask on going through security. However, they wanted you to take it down when they, like, compared you against your ID or whatever. Um, But, yeah, so Josh and I got there. My mom dropped us off. And I'm like, all right, got to go through security. We got through security in, like, 15 minutes. And we're like, okay, (laughs) what do we do now? Like, this is the fastest I've ever gotten through security. Right, and nothing's open in the airport. Yes, so that was another huge thing. Um, We didn't really need anything. We didn't really need to eat anything when we flew out. But when we flew um, from Seattle back to Detroit... There was nothing open in the Seattle airport as far as food. So, like, a lot of restaurants were shut down. Right. So, we ended, We did end, eventually find something. And this is um, a big thing with layovers, too. If yeah. you have a layover, you may not have much to eat. They usually have a convenience store open, but you might want to pack your own snacks. Yes. Um, and then also, too, the seating in the airport was very minimal because you had to sit six feet apart from people. So, they had signs on the airport chairs um, which in a way was kind of nice because in Detroit, we were able to sit next to like a charging outlet, which is pretty hard to find in some yeah. airports. Um, and also too, I mean, I'm not like claustrophobic and, you know, but it was so nice having the space, you know what I mean? Like right. not having to worry about like people sitting next to you, crying babies, whatever. Like we had plenty of space waiting at our terminal in both airports. Um, And another thing is, too, is when we stayed at our hotel in Seattle before going out to Ashford at the Airbnb, the bars, like, the hotel's bar and restaurant was closed. So, in order to eat, we had to order room service. Yeah. And that really sucked because, I mean, Seattle's expensive, and then you add room service. Like, we literally paid, I think, $30 for breakfast one day, and it was, like... Ego pancakes warmed up in a box. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the bad thing is, too, is if you do stay at an airport or a hotel airport, yeah. you're around other hotel, Yeah, you know, and they usually all have bars or restaurants. And I remember in Seattle, there was one specifically that was open, but the rest of them weren't. So we actually ate there a couple times because it was the only yeah. hotel restaurant that was actually open. Yes. Yeah. So I would say if you are traveling and you've never been somewhere, you're not sure something is open, bring snacks if you can um, and some water just in case because, I mean, you're not really, you might not be able to get a full meal during, you know, your travel period. Yeah, and when you are traveling too, follow them all on social media if you are active on social media or just follow them on their website because they will, everyone's kind of adjusted now to the fact that COVID is a thing, things are constantly changing. They'll be able to inform you on what's going on in their restaurant, in the area. I know with the National Park, I followed them on everything, and they did a really cool talk to the rangers where they did a live, and you could ask any question, and the ranger would answer. I think that was super, super cool, because if I did have a wedding question, I could just type it in, and they would answer it right there on the spot. So they are being creative with things like that. Knowing your menu before you go is definitely important, because there is limited menus. Right. Yeah, a lot of places have kind of taken away their full menu and just have done certain um, entrees because, number one, because of coronavirus, and then number two, because I know that there has been food shortages in some areas, so they're only able to provide certain things. Yeah, and I think one of the last things, too, with 
different types of airlines is they are doing different types of social distancing methods. So you do, if you are taking this seriously and you do want to know how you're going to be traveling, you should follow the different types of airlines so that way you can make an educated decision on booking a plane ticket. Right. Yeah, because some airlines um, are not letting people sit in the middle seat to allow for more space. Right. However, other airlines are packing people in pretty tight, and there's no kind of room for social distancing. Right. I know Delta right now is doing no middle seat, which is great. Um, As far as I know, Allegiant wasn't really doing any sort of social distancing when we flew with them. I flew United when we went out to Washington, and they did not do any form of social distancing I do know that airlines have been doing a pretty good job of keeping your party in the same section. Spirit, for example, I don't know if they have any sort of, like, concrete restrictions, but I know every time I have flown Spirit so far, they have been using the bigger planes versus the two-seater planes. So there has been a middle row. Both times when I flew with them, I actually didn't have anybody in the middle row. I don't know if it was just because the plane, they're only booking so many tickets or what, But it was cool because there was an individual who was sitting separate from her friend. And once they found out they were in the same party, they actually ended up moving them together. So that way people who were in different parties weren't next to each other. So that was really cool. Once again, I don't know if that's a concrete thing with Spirit, but that's just what I've experienced. And when we flew Delta to go to Seattle, it was kind of nice because the little snack that they gave us was in a plastic bag. Everything was like a... um, wrapped goodie. They even gave us like a little thing of Perel hand sanitizer. Um, and they gave us like, I, which I think they do. They give you the headphones that you can like keep with you. You don't have to give back. So everything, I did feel pretty safe. Like, and I will say one of the nicest things about coronavirus is things that normally don't get cleaned pretty well are now getting cleaned. Yeah. So I don't planes. I don't feel like they're not always cleaned that well. Like I've gotten on a plane where I'm like, I don't think they wiped down the seat from the last right. people who sat here, where now, like, they have to disinfect it. They are wiping the seats down before and after, like... Well, have you nice. seen the thing, too, where people are in, like, the gas mask-looking things, mm-hmm. and they walk onto the plane and yeah. spray everything? Yeah. Like, people are being very conscious of all of this that's going on. Another thing to note about food is some airlines are not doing yeah, their beverage doing and food carts. Snacks. Yeah. So please be aware, grab stuff at the airport if you do have a layover because it could be possible that you do not have the option to get it on the plane. Right. Yeah, so I think that's it. Yeah, I mean, that so, was just some little tips and tricks yeah. about destination weddings and weddings during a pandemic. We hope this helps any future brides-to-be yeah. or current brides-to-be. Yes. Yeah, so if you had a wedding this year... And it might have gotten basically just screwed up because of coronavirus. Go ahead and comment on our posts, slide into our DMs, message us on Facebook. We want to hear how you handled it, how you got creative. And if you um, got some funny stories, yeah, too. Like, that would be funny great stories. to hear. We would love to hear about them. Um, yeah, I think it's really just about being creative and making the best of it. And I think that's what we had to do this year. Yeah, for sure. So episode five, I can't believe we're already on episode five, <laughs> will be available February 1st. Um, We are hoping to do a food review once again. It's all going to depend on Michigan being open, restaurants being open. Um, So we'll see. So coming in for a landing, this is Food and Flights. See you next time. Bye.